Thinking about this as I was studying for this sermon, have you seen the movie Facing the Giants? Great movie. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie, frankly, is when the guy is going along the lockers praying. Do you remember this guy? He goes along the lockers and he's praying in the school. And he stops at the coach's office and, he's, and he tells him this. He says, God opens doors that cannot be closed and closes doors that cannot be opened. Kind of incredible. Actual incredible wisdom in that statement. And as a matter of fact, we've seen it in our own lives, haven't we? Can't you think back and see where God has opened doors for you and closed doors for you? Now, it hasn't always been the doors we wanted open or we wanted closed. Because we have a way of going our own way, right? As Isaiah said, all of us like sheep have gone astray. So we have our own way. But we can look back in our lives and we can see open doors that God has, has given us. And we can see doors that closed that maybe we wanted to go through, but God closed that door. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about God opens doors. God opens doors. So let's look at Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 17. It is up here behind me. We're going to read 17 through 25. Then the high priest rose up. He and all who were with him, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out, and said, Go and stand in the temple and tell the people all about this life. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to preach. When the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites, and sent orders to the jail to have them brought. But when the servants got there, they did not find them in the jail. So they returned and reported, We found the jail securely locked, and the guards standing in front of the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. As the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things, they were baffled about them, wondering what would come of this. Someone came and reported to them, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple and teaching the people. So let's, uh, let's think about first the context, because I think the context is particularly important as we understand God opening doors. In this context, first of all, we've had this great service of praise and prayer and two funerals, right? Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead in the middle of the service, and so they've had two funerals now too. And so we've had this great service, and then they actually go, uh, the, the, the intervening text there that we didn't read tells us that they went to Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's porch, if you prefer, uh, portico, uh, whatever you want to call it, but it's a part of the temple, and they go there in the, in the general court there, and they go to this, and they start, uh, Peter and John, the apostles, are teaching, and they're, they're talking, and they're doing miracles. Many signs and wonders are done among them, it says. And so, they're here, and, and you know, I asked the question last week, and it actually tells us in verse 13 uh, of chapter 5. I asked the question last week, what would you think about Two people dropping dead in the service. Would you come back next week? Verse 13 says there were a lot of people who didn't want 
join the church. <laughs> they, were, uh, they were hesitant to join the church. Now, here's, here's the way I see that. We actually see that a lot through the Gospels, don't we? We see people following Jesus, and as long as he's giving them bread and, and, and such, as long as he's teaching about grace and about love, they're following him. But when he starts getting confront, confrontational about their sin, eh, they, they back off, you know? The shallow and the, 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 the curious kind of back away. Okay, it was good as long as you were talking about love and grace, and, but now you're confronting me with my sin. That's uncomfortable, and so I'm out. And that's kind of what we see with these people. Now, verse 14 says, multitudes joined. So there were people, the people that, that were really sold out here, the people that were really in, were in all the way. But the folks that weren't in all the way didn't show back up. And again, I think we see that all through the Gospels. And I think we see that in our current world today. We still have this part of our sin nature where as long as it's comfortable, as long as we're talking about love and grace and, and the church is helping me in some way, then, hey, I'm all in. But, but when it starts to confront me with my sin, I'm out. I'm done. We still have this part of our uh, sin nature. So I think that's what we see, and, and it's in the midst of all of this and, and all of these healings happening and, and the signs and wonders that, that Peter and John are, uh, are performing, that, that they're thrown in jail. Peter and John are thrown in jail. And then God opens the doors. Now, verse 19 and 20 tell us that an angel of the Lord comes and opens the doors of the jail. Now, maybe it's only my mind that works this way, but did God need to send an angel? He could have just opened doors, right? Or he could have given Peter and John the power to open the door. But he sent an angel. And I think it's important for us to understand why, to think about why at least. I think, now we see all the way through, all through uh, the Old Testament, uh, angels coming and helping people. We see this often. Angels are often the messengers of God and the helpers of God. And we see this happening again and again. Not every time... Sometimes God just empowers the person, right? David slays Goliath, there's no angel there. So sometimes God empowers the person, but sometimes he brings an angel or he sends an angel. I think in this case, and this is just my opinion, but I think in this case, he sent an angel so that it cannot be said that Peter and John escaped. They didn't escape. They were let out. They were let out by God. And I think that... that an important part of this story. They were let out by God, not just, oh, they didn't lock the door well enough, or they, they, were, uh, they, they were so anxious that they had an adrenaline rush and, and busted down the door. No, the door was still locked, still had guards standing in front of them. An angel did this. So I think, I, I think it's to show God at work. Peter, Think about the story that Peter and John are going to tell. We were in jail, and this angel came and opened the doors, and the guards didn't even know what was happening. This is an incredible story, and so I think the angel, the fact that, that God sends the angel is important. 
And I also think it's, it's vital that we understand that when the angel came, he had a message for Peter and John. He had this message that said, go and teach the people. Go do this. He had a, a, he had a, a purpose. God opens doors in our lives, but it's for his purpose. Did, did God let Peter and John out because they were wrongfully arrested? No. Did he let them out because they were uncomfortable in there? No. He let them out because he had a message. The angel gives them the message and says, go tell the people this. Go do this. We have to understand that God opens doors for his purpose, not our purpose. So the angel says, go tell the people this. And in verse 20, go stand in the temple and tell the people all about this life. Now, I want to tell you that the, uh, the Greek here is far more complex. The original language is far more complex. It, it actually, a more literal translation could be proclaim to the people all the words of this, the life. Now, in, in, the, uh, in the original language, there's a couple of different emph emphases. There's emphases, yeah, emphases, sorry. There's, it, it, it emphasizes all about or all the words, and it emphasizes this, the life. So think about, about all the words. The whole gospel is to be preached. The part about God judging sin is part of the gospel, and it needs to be preached. Think about their context once again. What have they just been a part of within the, the last few hours or days. Two funerals, right? <laughs> Two unexpected funerals. So the, the idea that, that sin must be dealt with is part of the gospel. Now, it's absolute truth that grace and forgiveness are available for anyone who comes, but we come in repentance. We've seen in the earlier parts of this act study, that they grieved their sin before they repented of it. We, they had to get to a point where they understood the damage and consequence of their sin. That is a part of the gospel. We need to get to the, that point because we need to understand our need for a Savior before we can accept a Savior. Until we get to the point where we think we need a Savior, where we know we need a Savior where we have no hope without one. We're not there yet. And so that's part of all the words. That's part of the gospel. They have just seen that God will not be mocked. They have just seen Ananias and Sapphira drop dead in a service for hypocrisy. We, they have just seen that God judges sin. That's a part of the gospel. It's a part of the gospel that we must come to in order to understand. In order for grace and forgiveness to be real, we have to get to that point some, at, at some point in our life. We have to understand the consequences of our sin. And then, and then the second part of this that's, that's really uh, emphasized is this, the life. Now, in the original language, there's a, an article before life, the life. Now, the way Greek works... It doesn't, it's not all translated. This, those articles are not always translated. 
they're there to emphasize something. This life is not biological existence. This life is different. This is the life. You see how it, it sets it apart. This is the life, the new life, the reborn life, the Christian life, the life of the Spirit of Christ within us, empowering us. That's the life. And it's set apart for that purpose. Go teach them about this, the life, the new life, the reborn life, the Christian life. Now, I also think that it's important that to, to, uh, to stop and think, okay, we've seen this time and time again in, in the book of Acts. Peter and John going to teach the people about this, the life, about new life, about reborn life. We in our culture have made church kind of an optional social gathering. And, and COVID just kind of made that worse. It just kind of made it where, okay, you know, if I... I, uh, and, and, and honestly, we have the podcast, we have video, we have, uh, you can do church, uh, or, I should I'm going to change that. You can listen to church online or on your phone pretty much anywhere, but you can't do church. Remember what the church is about here? They were about sharing with each other. They were about shared history with each other. The angel, God, by the angel, telling Peter and John to go teach the people about this, the life, tells me this, is, this isn't an optional social gathering. This is a vital part of our spiritual growth. You know, at, at, when we have babies, toddlers, we have to teach them how this life works, right? It's the same with your new reborn life. We have to learn how this, the life works. Church, it, it, church is important a vital part of your spiritual growth because of this. And then we have these, these guys, the Sanhedrin, again. You remember these guys? These are the guys, Peter and John stood before them one other time, and they, they essentially said, uh, stop it with all this Jesus stuff. Right? That was pretty much all they could say. Stop it with all this Jesus stuff. Same guys, same Sanhedrin, same guys. We got... Peter and John in front of these same guys again. And, uh, and I, it specifically in verse 17 tells us that they were filled with jealousy. Now, I, I, I point that out because this, it, that word is only used here and in Acts 13 in the entire New Testament. And it, and it literally means, outside the Bible, it means a, a religious zeal. It's a, it's a rage of religious motivation. These guys are religiously motivated rage against Peter and John about Jesus. Now, I bring that up because, think about it again, stop and think. These guys probably thought they were doing the work of God. They probably thought they were protecting Judaism. They probably thought they were protecting faith in God. They may have even thought, we're going to protect God from these guys. They had this religiously motivated rage that caused them to think they were doing the right thing. We see this all through history as well. We've seen it in Old Testament times. We've seen it with the Pharisees. We've seen it with the Sanhedrin. We've seen it in the Crusades. We've seen it. The Christianity was never meant to be spread by the sword. Never. 
Yet, how many times in history has it been? Or has it been tried? We have this idea that we have to protect the faith, that we have to protect God. I want to tell you something. God does not need your protection. You need his. But yet, all through history, we see this. So the the Sanhedrin meet, and they decide, you know, we really don't like these guys, so we're just going to kill them. We did it to Jesus, we'll do it to these guys. So they decide, they they start to plot to kill these two. And and they meet, this is a little bit after, uh, by the way, I encourage you to read the rest of this chapter because all this happens, that they, the Sanhedrin decide to meet, and they decide, you know, we're just going to plot to kill these guys because it'll just be easier. That's what they did with Jesus. And so that's what they're going to do with Jesus' followers, just kill them. But there's one guy, Gamaliel. Gamaliel is, is known for his wisdom. He was the teacher of Paul, as a matter of fact. And, and he says in verses 38 and 39 of chapter 5, he says, I tell you, stay away from these men, and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is human, of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. You may even be found to be fighting against God. That, Gamaliel keeps the rest of the Sanhedrin from killing Peter and John because of what he says there. If it's of God, it cannot be stopped. Your new life in Christ cannot be stopped. Your reborn life, this the life, cannot be stopped because it's of God. And if it's of God, it cannot be stopped. You would be fighting against God himself. So what, what should we learn from this? What is, the, what is it for us to learn from all of this? First, I think we need to understand that we have to be real about our sin. We have a sin problem. If you can't admit that, then you're not ready for the gospel. Because that's part of the gospel. It's the beginning of the gospel. It's understanding our need for a Savior is the first step. If you think, well, yeah, I've, I've done some things wrong, but I can probably make it on the good stuff I've done. You're not there yet. That ain't how it works. We have to get to the point where we understand the the damage and consequence of our sin and then repent from it, turn from sin to God. We see that in this first church. We see those that will do that, the multitudes that join. We see those that fall away because, well, that's just too hard. It's too hard. Let's talk about love and grace. Let's not talk about the consequences of sin. The next thing I think we need to understand from this is God opens doors for us, but for his purpose, not ours. He doesn't open doors so we're more comfortable. He doesn't open doors because, well, that's the way we want to go. He opens doors for his purpose. And then we have... The life that's being talked about here. The life, the, the, the newborn life, the reborn life, the Christian life. We have this life. And we need to be involved with some 
a, a group of people that are on this journey with us because we need to learn how to live this the life. We see Peter and John being sent to tell the people how, the, how this works. We still need that. We still need to be involved with someone. Walk this journey with people that, that have the life. And then we see that the, the world will not understand our new life. They will not understand. You see in, really in the Sanhedrin and, and the church, you see, you see the world and God. The world's view and God's view. Did you notice, I mentioned it earlier, the guards were standing there in front of locked doors of empty cells. They didn't even know it happened. They didn't even see it happen. The world will not understand the things of God. God is very good at knowing our heart, but we're not so good at knowing his. And so the world is not going to understand your new life. It's not going to understand reborn life. And we continue to see in our world today how the things of God, the view of God, is being less and less accepted in the world. The world's view and God's view are different. God has different plans than the world does. God opens different doors than the world does. There's a difference. We don't want to be like these guards. We don't want to be the ones that are standing in front of of locked doors and empty cells going, what happened? We want to be the ones being released. Don't we? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. Do you know Christ? Do you know that your sin has had consequences and damage, but that Jesus came to die in your place on that cross? That his, his blood covers your sin. That you are, you are forgiven by the grace of God and the death of Jesus Christ. And his resurrection brings you new life. You can know that this morning. It's as simple as a prayer. It's as simple as saying, God, I know I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. And I know that that sin has wrecked my relationship with you. So I ask you to forgive me because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And I ask you to come into my life and give me this, the life, the Christian life, the newborn life, the empowered life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you need to let somebody know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Come and let me know. Maybe this as you look back over the last... You don't feel like you're living the life. Will you take a moment right now and commit to God that this week you will live the empowered life, the life he came to give. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you 
Father, for this story that, that so easily points out, so clearly points out to us, the world versus you, the gospel, what it means, what it costs. We thank you for this and, and pray that you help us this to live the empowered life, this the life that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.